Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. Good to see you. We had a great men's summit. Uh, it snowed up there, and so it was 20 and 30 degrees up there, snowing last night. The plan was for all the guys to head home uh, this morning, but everybody got out of Dodge except for like a couple of brave carloads of guys that left this morning. And uh, and so, but we had a great time. There was 120 men at the summit, and it was that was a combination of three churches in our network, and we really challenged uh, to take responsibility for the mission that God's given us and to work well together in doing that. And so, uh, for you guys that were there, I, I hope that we can continue that momentum going and. And so, there, you know, what John was mentioning a moment ago about, about our Easter opportunity, it's so important. I, I was talking to a friend recently who uh, the, gave the stat to myself and Scott. We were at a, at a function where we, we saw a friend of ours who's in ministry as well. And he said that the current stat right now is that if every church were full at the given amount of services that they currently offer, it would only provide seats for 9% of people. So if we packed out the house for our two, or let's add the third for this for Easter, and then if everyone just packed the house for the services they currently offer, that's only enough room for 9%. We need more churches. Uh, we need God to raise up more people, to, to plant more churches. Uh, we and, and this is actually, for some places, this is a, uh, that's a, that's a good stat. And so, because for some places, there's, it's, it's much less than that. And so, actually, I have some friends that are here with me, and in their, in their context, only 1% uh, are Christians. And so, I want to invite up uh, Alex, Robin, and Anya. These are directors of three campus ministries in, in the country of Germany. And these are ministry partners of our church. And we have several groups that we support uh, around... Uh, you know, here in, in our area and even in our country, but then we have some international ministry partners, uh, some friends that are doing ministry and spreading the name of Jesus around the world. And so these are three campus directors of, of, of the Connection Ministry in Germany. And so all of them came to Christ in Connection uh, they were, when they were students in college. There was a lady that moved from the States to start a new ministry to reach uh, unbelieving college students in Germany, and this lady went there by herself, and out of that has grown tremendous fruit, and this is some of that fruit, is when they were students, they came to Christ, and then years later, now they're leading campus ministries, and so, uh, so uh, this, is, uh, this is some friends of mine, and driving down in the snow wasn't bad for me last night, because he drove, and there's a lot of snow where they're from, and so they're used to that, and so I was in good hands, and so... But I've asked them to come and share briefly uh, with us a little bit about uh, their, their, their ministries that they're a part of. And so, uh, first, uh, Robin's going to tell you guys the mission of Connection. Yeah, hello. Um, we are very privileged to be here. Thank you all and um, also for your support. So, really, uh, that's a big help to keep the ministry going. Um, yeah, our vision is that college students will connect in faith with Jesus Christ that they will have fellowship with one another, and in turn, they will be trained to reach the lost with the gospel. They, they are doing something that there, is, there are only 
1% Christians on the campuses where they're at. And so they're a light on those campuses. And so they're wanting to help people come to know Christ, train them up, and Lord willing, even that, that more of these uh, ministries would be launched throughout Germany. Um, here's a picture of their country. And uh, I, uh, about a year and a half ago, I had the privilege uh, with some other folks from here to go and to uh, interact with them and see what God was doing through them. And so got to tour the three campus ministries that you see there on the red, uh, those red dots, Brunschweig, uh, Bonn, and Jena, and learned about connection and the difference that, it, that it's making. And so because of that, we as a church have been partnering since then to support uh, these, these three campus ministries. So when you give on a Sunday, uh, every month they're receiving support from our church, along with other churches that support them and along with other individuals that support them. But uh, we love to spotlight so you can see the, the difference it makes when you give. And so I've asked each one of them to share a little bit about their city, uh, the, the name of the ministry or the, the town that they're in, and then just a highlight uh, of what God is doing presently. I'm going to start with Jena. Um, Jena is a small city in East Germany, former GDR, and has uh, 100,000 people, and 25% are students, so 25,000 students, if you're at good in math as I am. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, there's there's few Christian groups. Um, if you count them all, it's maybe 150 believers on campus of 25,000. Um, you see some pictures from our semester start. And a highlight for me the last semester was that one guy, actually, we got to know him six years ago, but he made a commitment to follow Christ in summer. And just to see his walk now in winter um, as he makes step after step, it's just a joy. So That's great. Uh, I live in Bonn, Germany. Um, I've moved there four and a half years ago to start the group uh, in Bonn. The University of Bonn has 38,000 college students, and um, I think a highlight for me in the past semester was that we got to know uh, a couple of uh, freshman students who really plugged into the ministry. That's what we're always praying for in the fall semester, um, and God really has blessed this like in the past semester. And then also um, that we have two small groups, and one is completely led by two of the students, which is also kind of what we're hoping for, um, that they are really getting the vision of what we're trying to do to reach students and, you know, to grow in their faith. Um, I'm from Brunswick. Um, you see the line there? They put it up in 1166. Um, the same king who founded Brunswick later went on to found Munich in the south. Um, that's a quick fact about Brunswick. Um, the headquarters of VW is close by in Wolfsburg, and everyone who's studying at the university is either mechanical engineering or automotive en engineering. Um, we have 20,000 students enrolled in the, in the university, and we started with 2,000 freshmen last year. Um, there are actually four cool things last, so last year happened. We had three guys coming to faith. Uh, one of them, he was part of the small group for two years, and he didn't want to even touch the Bible, and now he started sending me verses, what he liked about it. And you can see the picture there, that's our church plant connection input, and we had our 100th ga gathering last year, late last year. That's great, that's great. There, there, there's a table in the back, so as you're leaving, uh, there's prayer cards, and so if you want to learn more about their ministry, if you just want to be praying for them, grab one of those put it on your fridge, pray, pray for them. They're doing um, uh, something that 
is very difficult. They all have degrees in, in different fields. Two of them have a degree in social work, one in engineering. They could be doing different things with their lives, but the Lord called them to uh, raise support uh, and be full-time focused on spreading uh, the message of Jesus Christ and to share his hope with uh, people who need Jesus. And so I uh, pray for them, and thank, thank you for sharing. Can you, uh, we want to pray for you, and so can you share with us some ways we can pray? Yeah. Um, on all of our campus, there's going to be a semester start, semester start week in the next, okay, two weeks from now. And that's the time of sowing broadly, of really pushing through um, maybe tiredness and all of that. And we really, we want to reach the students on campus. We have a time where we hand out like 2,000 flyers and more. We stay for gummy bears to them. You can be praying for this time. And you can be praying for more laborers in the, in the work. Jesus says um, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And definitely on our campus, we are like the only staff members. So. Yeah. So let's, let's pray. Let's pray for them. Father, we just lift up uh, Robin, Anya, and Alex. And we pray, Lord, that you would, you would make their ministries fruitful, Lord. That you would prepare the hearts of many, many students who are incoming freshmen, incoming starting in college, and that you would uh, supernaturally connect their paths with the Connection Ministry and the ministry team, Lord. We thank you for the work that you've already been doing there. We, we, we praise you for your power and your might, Lord, that it, you've been drawing people to yourself and bringing hope and life and light to many. And, Lord, we pray that, that this semester start would be uh, the most fruitful that they've ever seen, Lord, that you would overwhelm them through uh, your power and your presence in their events and their activities. Lord, we pray that you would uh, plant seeds of the gospel and seeds of hope in the lives of many. And we ask you, Father, to raise up more people like themselves, Lord, people that would come to know you and that you would put it on their hearts, Lord, to follow you in faith and, and even launch out to spread this ministry throughout their country, Lord. We, we thank you, God, for us as a church having this opportunity, Lord, to partner uh, with uh, people like this. We pray that you would use um, our giving, Lord, to um, be multiplied, Lord, for your kingdom and the good you want it to do in the world, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Yeah, thank you, guys. You guys can be seated. The, the Gummy Bear headquarters is... The Worldwide Gummy Bear Headquarters, I should say, is there in Bonn where Anya is at. And so, fun fact, we had a lot of gummy bears, uh, a lot of gummy bears, and we handed out a lot of gummy bears as a part of their strategy to invite people to their uh, semester start. Fun fact for uh, uh, for Robin, Robin is at is that uh, the Zeiss Tower, if you've ever used Zeiss lenses, Zeiss optical lenses, that's like the city where those were... Uh, Originally made, and there's a huge uh, monument there. Uh, there, and, and and then in Alex, you know, a lot of engineers, VWs, right there. Um, I got to I got to ride on the autobahn, and we're like, come on, pick it up. Let's, not with Alex, but with another guy. I think it was with uh, Robin's pastor. He took me on the autobahn, and uh, we floored it as fast as this thing could go. And uh, how fast have you guys gone on on the, anybody hit high speeds? Whoa, 150. Nice. <laughs> so, there you have it. Some fun facts. Our friends, uh, they're going to be at the back table. And um, if, you, if you have 
if you just sense God wants you to partner with them in some way personally, uh, pick up pick up a prayer card. They have a packet there with some information about how you can hear more about uh, the Connection Ministry and to begin to pray for them and even support them. If you would like to do that, uh, they they need more support. Uh, they're they're about 50% funded right now, and so uh, what that means is that they 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 could use more uh, partners to support their work. And so you can even give this morning. You can write it on your uh, offering envelope and just write uh, connection or German friends, and we'll know that that's for their ministry. And so we'll send that with home with them to help the ministry that they're in. And so uh, we're we're in a series of messages, and so let, let's. Let's shift gears here. We're in a series of messages on identity and trying to understand our identity. Our working definition for identity is it's the core of who you are, you know, the core of your, your being. This is really who you are. And if you're a Christ follower, we're really concerned with God's viewpoint on our identity. That's been our main concern. We're looking at the book of First Peter. And today we're looking at the role that we play and the crucial objective we play in the world. And so to do our part, and I want to invite you to take out that listening guide. To do our part, here, here is how we accomplish this objective, is we are ambassadors who identify with Christ in our world. This, is, this description of ambassador, um, and I, I'm going to define it for you here. The word ambassador means an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. That's, that's what an ambassador does. Here's a picture of a U.S. ambassador in a Middle Eastern country. Now, the role of the ambassador is to foster understanding between two different governments, and they want to work towards mutual, you know, things that would be mutually beneficial. That's what an ambassador would do. Now, here's the identity piece. If you're a Christ follower, this is the role you play. You, you, you're kind of living between two worlds. We, we learned in the very first week that you are elect exiles, Okay. Heaven is your home. Earth is temporary. And so you're, you're an ambassador. You're playing a role where, and God has, he's using you. He's sent you. He's got you here for a purpose, to create understanding and to build bridges between God and people that don't yet know him. That's the role we play. And it's, it's really sobering to understand this and to, to keep in mind that we represent the world that's looking on. If people know that you're a Christian, it's sobering to remember that. Because people are making an impression, they're learning about Christianity through the way we live our lives. And sometimes we do a great job of this, and sometimes we do a poor job of this. Uh, we, we recently had two very negative online reviews about our church. And uh, it, it was kind of disheartening, because it came at a time when we, we were, I mean, I was personally like riding the wave of the 10-year celebration, you know, I had a big 10-year celebration, <coughs> a lot of uh, fun with that. We were on like a high the very next day. Uh, we got this really bad online review, and it was just it slammed it slammed our church, and it was like it was deflating for me personally. It was deflating. We did our best to follow up. Uh, somebody had had a bad interaction in, in in their experience and in their mind. It was a bad interaction enough so to where and it was probably four years ago, but it was enough so to where they decided to put this online and 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 so we did our best to look into it, respond. To the person, learn about the situation as best as we could. We know that we don't have full control over people's experiences here, but regardless, that whole thing it lands really heavy on us. You know, it, and it reflects on the whole group. You know, imagine someone like 
finding out, oh, you're at OCC, and then they read this review. Oh, well, here's what I heard about you. We reflect, you know, the whole body here. We also reflect the whole Christian church to many. Like, a bad interaction with with one, uh, it reflects on, you know, the Christian church. Now, it may be a misunderstanding. It may be a wrong perception. It may be... uh, it may be a bad day or, or, or circumstances that, that led to that experience. But now in the first century, when Peter was writing, Christians were at best misunderstood and ridiculed and at worst beaten and martyred. And so for them, it was a risk to identify themselves as Christians. It was a real risk. Uh, this is true for us today. We risk ridicule whenever we identify with Christ because all sorts of ideas about what that means are out there in the world. So you risk ridicule because you're, you're lumping yourself in with a group of people. And you risk ridicule. We're not really sure how the atmosphere will change through the years once we let people know that we follow Christ. And so when you step into that role of ambassador, which is if you, if you become a Christian, all of a sudden all sorts of things can get really complicated in, in people's perception of you and your relationship to them. And we can get really worked up over this. And I know I can get worked up. And, and let's be honest. Sometimes we fail to identify Christ really well. Sometimes we fail at the role of being an ambassador. And, and Peter, whose words we're going to look at in a moment, he himself really struggled with this. He gives us some really solid insight um, after he'd learned a lot of lessons. But let's back up before he gets to what he's written here in First Peter 3 and look at two places where Peter swung and missed. Two times, pretty major instances, okay? And as you've, as you've got to know Peter through this series, um, you, you learn some things about him. He's one of those guys that had uh, a very up-close viewpoint on Jesus. Only a select few people got to know Jesus as closely as Peter, James, and John. Three guys got to be really up-close. They spent, you know, for a few years, daily, you know, interaction with Jesus. They got to go on some trips with him. They got to spread... Uh, Jesus' message around. They got to see all sorts of things that Jesus was, uh, all sorts of, you know, kind of ministry opportunities that came up in Jesus' life. So hurting people, uh, struggling people, uh, angry people. They they got to see it all. They got to watch how he interacted with them, and they're learning through this experience what that should look like. And so what Jesus is doing by letting them come up close is he's training his ambassadors uh, Jesus knew that his time on earth was going to be limited. And so this is a training opportunity for Peter to be this close. Now imagine being nominated by the churches in Riverside to be the Christian ambassador for our city. And that your assignment is you've been selected and voted and nominated to be the Christian ambassador. Uh, and you're going to take the message of Christ to a place where he's not known and no one has ever met a Christian. He, we're sending you, not just us, but all the Christian churches are sending you. You've been selected. And, and how would you approach that? I mean, you'd probably be like, oh, man, i got to get this right. You know, I, I need to represent them well. I mean, they're, they're counting on me to give a good representation as that ambassador. Now, back to Peter. High privilege, lots of time with Jesus. You're the ambassador, Peter, and your leader, Jesus, at the very beginning of the week, everyone is... is you know, Jesus is everyone's hero. For the most part, things are looking really good for Jesus when they enter into Jesus' final week. 
they're rolling out, you know, the red carpet for him. Basically, they're treating Jesus like royalty in the city of Jerusalem. People are welcoming him like he's a king. They're laying down palm branches. Peter's probably like, yeah, I'm with him. You know, he's, I'm the right-hand guy. I'm, I'm one of the leaders in this movement. And everyone is praising him. But by the end of the week, everything seems to take a, a turn for the worst. Where the Jewish religious leaders are feeling threatened by Jesus' growing influence. And so they begin to talk with the Roman leaders who are uh, the officials for the government. And they make a political move. And, and the Romans, in order to keep you know, peace, uh, they begin to side with the Jewish religious leaders. And Peter begins to see this shifting atmosphere and this growing tension. And since Peter had watched every up close, he knew pressure. He'd seen Jesus act under pressure because this was not the first time pressure had mounted. So Peter can go back in his mind to the many times where Jesus would gently deal with a difficult situation. You know, he's, Jesus is God in the flesh. He's all-powerful, yet he was gentle and meek and humble. And he, you know, he could have called down angels and, and brought the thunder, but he, you know, he, Peter saw how Jesus handled things. And he's training Peter to be a leader in this movement. Then, a tense moment comes up for Ambassador Peter to operate with grace under pressure. And here's, here's the scene. Uh, the disciples are praying like they've done many times. The disciples are praying with Jesus. And Jesus, it was so late at night, Jesus says, hey, stay awake and pray. And Jesus goes on a little further, and he knows that his, he's about to be crucified. And so he's praying for strength, asking God, give him the strength to carry out his mission. Jesus is praying this because he knew he was about to sh- uh, shed blood. He's about to offer up his life for the sin of the world. And as this is going on, Jesus comes back, finds the disciples kind of dozing off. And, hey, let's, let's keep praying, guys. Wake up. As this is going on, a group, like an angry mob, imagine it with you know, torches and everything, show up, led by Judas, the betrayer. And Judas points out, this is Jesus right here. And the officials, the Romans, they, they begin to arrest Jesus. Now, this is Peter's first diplomatic opportunity. Peter, you're an ambassador. What do you do? Jesus is being arrested. What are you going to do to identify and represent Jesus? Well, here's what he does. He, he goes ninja. <laughs> Peter takes out a sword and he hacks off one of the soldier's ears. <laughs> I don't know if you've read that scene, but, you know, he, he goes and he goes violent. And because he's not about to be weak and he's not a pushover, you know, he's a, he's this, you know, the picture we get in scripture, he's just this hardworking, strong man. And he goes into fight mode. It's not time for flight for Peter. It's, it's fight. And Jesus, he halts all of this immediately. And he says, you know, you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. We're not going to do it this way. This isn't my way. Peter, you're not representing me really well right now. Jesus actually, I don't know how he does it. I mean, I wish we could see it, but he must pick up the ear off the ground, (laughs) puts it back on the guy and touches his ear and he heals it. I mean, imagine that scene. Now, he probably, you know, Peter's probably like, you know, get back, get back ready for this next scene. And don't worry, Peter, you're going to have another opportunity here. You're going to be able to be diplomatic and be the ambassador. And, you know, Jesus is going to, what happens is he's taken away, he's arrested. And in the morning, Peter has his diplomatic do-over, we'll call it, okay? And it's at Jesus' trial. Jesus is being beaten at this point. 
he's suffering, uh, and people are scattering. All his followers are starting to scatter in fear for their life because the Romans meant business. But Peter stays close enough, and some people recognize that Peter's in the crowd watching as Jesus is being beaten and tried. And people start questioning Peter. Don't you know Jesus? Weren't you with him? Under pressure, what Peter does is he loses his courage. He denies Jesus three times by different people when they ask him, aren't you one of his followers? Jesus, Peter says, I, I don't know. I've never seen this man. Now, I'm sure that Peter regretted both of these missed opportunities. Now, that's the context of the person that's writing everything we're about to read. Okay? That's the man, Peter. And the reason I give you the background is because if you've ever blown your witness or missed your opportunity, or if you've ever struggled with impulse, let Peter's life be an encouragement to you. God can still use you. There is hope for us. So here's the guidelines from Peter. This is found in 1 Peter 3.8. If you're Christ followers, then we, this is our, as an ambassador, we do this. We refuse to pay back. We refuse to pay back. Check out 1 Peter 3.8. It says, Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Notice it says we're called to pay back. We're not called to pay back. We're called to bless, not pay back. Now, that's impossible to do without God's help, isn't it? It's impossible, because... When we're hurt by someone, we want to make them pay. We want to bring a harsh word. We want to give a cold shoulder. We want to cut them with our, uh, you know, any effective payback will do. And in the office or at work, you might try to make your boss pay for not, you know, for not giving you what you want or maybe the way that you feel like you're treated. And so maybe you think, well, I'm not going to bring my best today. I'm not going to work as hard as I ought to because maybe that's the form of payback. So we can get very creative on how we pay people back when we feel like they've done harm to us. But until someone absorbs the blow, when you're harmed, until someone absorbs the blow, the cycle just continues. And what I mean by absorbs the blow, it means just taking the blow. If someone does harm to you, until you, you absorb that, you take it, the cycle just continues. If you, de- if you give it back to them and you, if you cut them, the cycle just goes on. Now, this is extremely important. So don't miss this. Jesus absorbed the blow for us. When we are harmed, when people do wrong to us, Jesus absorbed the blow for us. Look at 1 Peter 2. We looked at this a few weeks ago, 2.24. It says, He himself, speaking of Jesus, bore our sin in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. He absorbed the blow. He paid the price that we owed for our sin debt. And if we forgive and refuse payback, we provide a powerful witness to the world about the difference that Jesus makes in in our life. And in the New Testament, you see the impact of this over and over. So one example is this. On the cross, Jesus prays for those who are crucifying him. And here's the prayer. While he's dying, Father, forgive them. He's hanging there dying. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He, he absorbed the blow. He prays for forgiveness for this group of people. Now, this impacted, this scene impacted people. It, got, it imprinted on people's minds so where it couldn't, they couldn't go back to life as normal. They had, this, this impacted. 
So look at Stephen, one of the first deacons in the church, prayed something similar when he was being martyred in, for his faith. He, he prayed this, Lord, do not hold this against them. When he's being executed, Stephen, just like Jesus, he's, the, Jesus, you've already absorbed the blow. He doesn't retaliate. The Apostle Paul, the, the man that God used to start many churches and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament books, Paul was present at Stephen's execution before Paul converted to Christianity. And so Paul mentions watching Stephen. Now look at what Paul says about Stephen, who died as a martyr. Acts 22.20 And when the blood of your martyr, Stephen, was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing killing him. Stephen's example was burned into Paul's mind, and this would help him later when he would be suffering and persecuted. And as you refuse to pay people back, and even bless those who do evil to you, what it might just do is it might just crack open the heart of a person who is cold and opposed to God. It might crack open their heart to get them to wonder, why is this different? This is so different. Now, it's because we've been born again into the family of God. So we actually, not only do we refuse to pay back, but here's what we do. Look at verse 8. We live in harmony with one another. We are sympathetic. We love as brothers. We be compassionate and humble. This is how we choose the radical response of refusing to pay back. Now, when people ask why, which you know, people are they're thinking and they're wondering why, but if they ask why, here's what we need to do. We need to have this. We need to have good answers. We need to have a good answer because sometimes people get really curious, but often people ridicule when they start asking. So you, you can tell they're curious, but they're ridiculing you with their questions. So look at what Peter says gives us, as far as in responding to possible uh, ridicule, verse 14, do not fear what they fear. Don't Basically, don't worry about it if you suffer for doing good. Don't fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. An effective ambassador gives a positive impression of his country, and also is prepared is prepared to answer questions. They're prepared to give, you know, a clear answer. They also relate with gracious respect. They they also make right any wrongs that they've done. This is what an effective ambassador does. And all of this starts by identifying. Why we call this morning's message identifies because. It all starts when you identify and let others know that you follow Christ. So I want to just wrap up by walking through three practical ways to publicly identify with Christ. Number one is be baptized. There's one way you can publicly identify with Christ. Get baptized. In the Bible, all of the baptisms that we see were by immersion. What that means is the person publicly immersed gets immersed, which means to dip under. The Greek word just baptizo means dip under. So you you dip underwater, and that represents dying to the old way of life. And then when you're raised up out of the water, that symbolically represents the new life that begins when we trust Christ and His death on the cross to pay for our sin. And so Jesus says, if you're a Christian, go public and declare that Jesus is your Lord. Publicly identify with His death, His burial, and His resurrection. And what happens is, in baptism, all eyes are on you. Everyone's watching because we do it publicly and we celebrate this, but everyone's watching when you get baptized. And if you've been baptized, some of you felt a tremendous amount of fear going leading into that. 
Again, I've heard people say over and over, I just don't like to be the center of attention. I don't like all eyes on me. I don't want to be in the spotlight. But here's the reality is in baptism, Jesus is the one who is, is exalted. Jesus gets, he's, he's the one that is exalted. The spotlight is on him. We ask a question for everyone who gets baptized, and we say, share your, you know, your uh, commitment. What, what's the word that I ask? I should probably know this. But confession. Thank you. Share your confession. And it's that Jesus is my Lord, and the Bible's my guide. So all eyes very quickly go to Jesus. He's my Lord. The Bible's my guide. And then you're baptized. And it is a sign of faith, and it's a sign of humility and a willingness to follow Jesus' commands exactly. And so if you become a Christian, this is a great starting point of identification. And you can let us know on the back of that connection card, and we keep a list of those who need to and want to get baptized, and we'll, we'll baptize you the next time we have one. And we, we, do that, um, we do that a few times each year. And so let us know on the connection card if you'd like to be baptized. Another way to publicly identify is this, is to mention Christ in everyday conversations. Bring it up. Make it a part of your conversation. There's no, no reason to be obnoxious in our witness to others about our faith in Christ, but we simply need to let them know we're a Christ follower in some way. It could be as simple as telling a coworker on Monday, you know, just asking them, hey, what did you do over the weekend? Oh, I watched football. Hey, me too. I went to church in the morning and then I watched football. You know? You're identifying with Christ. You're just letting people know this is a part of your life. Or you might say, oh, I went, I went on a... a I went camping with a group of guys from my church this weekend. Got a snowstorm. You know, it was crazy. Barely made it down the hill, you know. But you're identifying with Christ. You're letting people know this is a part of your life. You know, or you can just naturally let others know that you've been praying about something going on in your life. Yeah, I've been having a hard time with my anger. I've been having a hard time with worrying about something. I can't shake the worry, and so I just keep praying and asking God for help. And he's helping me deal with this. Again, you're identifying with Christ in a very natural way. You know, the guidance that Peter gives us is to do this gently and respectfully. Uh, or you can just share the ways that you've seen God work in your life, the things that God has done in your life. But whenever you mention Christ, two things happen. Number one, instantly you become that ambassador in their eyes. You're now the ambassador. You represent him. And if you're effective, it works like salt on potato chips. Salty chips, what? They make you want to eat more, right? At least they make me want to eat more. You know, an open bag of salty chips is an empty bag, right? Most of the time, right? Look at this verse. Colossians 4, verse 6 says this. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Bring it up. Make it a part of everyday conversations. The people that I have known to be uh, more effective in evangelism find ways to just seep this into daily life. We often want this big build-up experience. And I'm, I'm going to share you a, an example of a build-up experience where it's really clear that it's time to share. But just the daily interaction with people and, and being faithful to identify with, with Christ is probably the, the, the best way to go about doing this. Be real faithful in this area. Finally, the third thing here is Finally, or respond respectfully and gently to ridicule and challenge. This is very important. Peter tells us, do this with gentleness and respect. Don't, don't 
black out that final statement in your Bible and think you have a license to ignore this. Do this with gentleness and respect. If you recognize that someone has become very hostile towards you after you've identified with Christ, then just show, show respect to them as a person because they really matter. Um, one, of my, one of my main memories about this came several years ago. I was at a barbecue. We had, we had just moved here to Riverside, my, my family and I, and a few other families to start this church. And this big guy came up to me at this barbecue, and he introduced himself by name. And I thought, oh, this is great, you know. And he said, hey, you're the pastor, right? And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I am, you know. And, I'm, and I, you know, and he puts his hand out, and, and, and then he says, I just don't understand how anyone could serve a God who is the owner of an exclusive club. And, and there was a few other guys that are here in this room at that barbecue right at that moment. Now, I had a few options. I had a few options. First option, I'm at a barbecue, right? Um, eat my chicken. Peter's option, you know, could have been one <laughs> at this moment. I could have just jumped up on his shoulders and headlock and just start. It would have taken a while because the plastic utensils are not very sharp. I could have worked on that ear, you know, and just till one of my friends, you know, pulled me off. Him. Guy was, he's a big guy. He squashed me. It was, that wasn't going to happen. That wasn't an option. Number two, take the bait. Take the bait and get into an argument with him because that's really what he was hoping for was, let's get into this right now. And, 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 and then if I took the bait and got into the argument, what would have happened to everybody around us right then? Everybody would have felt what? Super uncomfortable. Have you been in that moment where you're like, oh gosh, no. Because you're representing us, Josh, right now. So I hope you get this right. And I hope this is gentle and respectful. I hope, this, I hope you're going to be a good ambassador here. So that's, that's another option, I guess. The third option is this. Just introduce myself. Yeah, hi, I'm Josh. And overlook the offense. And ask God to help me be kind to this guy for the rest of this barbecue. And just not, not play into that. And so I just I said, huh, well, I'm, I'm Josh. And uh, we had, you know, we had our dinner and uh, it made for an interesting conversation. And uh, he backed off in that moment. Within weeks, we had dinner again. We found out that we lived in the same community, the same gated community right here behind the LA Fitness and Mission Grove. Uh, we rented a house right there right when we first moved here. We lived in that same community, just a couple blocks from each other. And a few weeks go by, he invites us over for, uh, for dinner and just go swimming. And, you know, he's far less aggressive at that point. We have kids around the same age. And he still put out his strong opinions and beliefs, but we were able to talk about them in more of a private uh, situation. And there, there still wasn't much openness at that point. He, he let me know what his thinking was. Then a few more weeks went by, and the situation came up where he, was in, he found himself in real need, and no one came to his family's aid. Not family, not friends. And what happened was it provided an opportunity. So myself, our family, and a couple other families that were at the church at that time showed up to help the guy and pitched in together to help him at his real point of need. And uh, it softened him. We kept praying for him. God just kept softening his heart. A few more weeks go by. Within uh, probably, you know, maybe six to eight weeks of that first interaction, 
he calls me up, and he pretty much hit rock bottom on a bunch of different levels, and he asked me if we could meet uh, for coffee. And so we met at the Chili's up here in Mission Grove. And he just told me everything that was going wrong in his life, and he said, I've, I've tried everything, I've called everyone I know for advice, and I just thought, maybe you have an answer, or maybe you have something that can help me. Now look at First Peter 3.15. I can't think of a, a clearer and easier opportunity than this. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. It doesn't get any clearer. You know, you know that, that's a rare situation. I haven't experienced it quite like that where someone says, please tell me everything you believe in it, if it could help me out right now. I mean, I wish that happened more, don't you? Don't wait for that because many others in our world right now, in our lives, in our streets, in our, in, our, in our workplace, just need us to wade into conversations in everyday life and just to begin to test the waters and see what God is doing there. And he came to Christ that night. I shared the gospel, just opened up my Bible and shared with him what it meant to become a Christian. And he said, I, I, I'm ready to do that. And he and all his household came to Christ. His wife came about a year later, his daughter eventually came to Christ, and his son came to Christ. They were all baptized. And God used, what he used was a small team of ambassadors here at OCC and to help this family come to know Jesus. And some of you played a role in that through those years. And that family eventually moved on, but they're still walking with God. They're still good friends of ours, and they're still serving God today, and God used us as, as his ambassadors. Now, this Easter, let's not miss this opportunity. This Easter is a key opportunity for us to identify with Christ, with all of those around us, for us to invite people here to Easter at OCC, and then just begin to include people in the body here. As a church, we've given you all the tools, and we're working hard to, to prepare all the details for our Easter service. We've given you that invest and invite card, but it's really, it's, it's up to you to do in the, all the inviting, you know. I'm going to participate in that inviting in my, in my world I would ask that you do the same, that you'd think through, God, who do you want me to bring to Easter this year? Sometimes people, they do see, you know, they search for a church on the web. Sometimes people get the mailings and they respond to that. But like John said, our bread and butter has been invites. And so many people right now are just waiting for a personal invitation. And so would you take the time to really pray, even right now, and let's ask God to show us who to invite for this Easter. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your kindness to us, Lord. The fact that you didn't have to, but you showed your love to us. You've called us each by name to respond to you. And as we've, for those here that have accepted you and have chosen to follow you, you've changed our lives. And God, it's, it's, it's been pretty radical what you've done. And Lord, I pray you'd give us courage, Lord, to be your ambassadors right here, right now, right here in this town. In our relationships, Lord, please help us, Lord, to have courage to identify with you. Help us to represent you well. When we don't, Lord, help us to clean that up and, and to, to, to learn from those. But, Lord, help us to do what we can right now. Lord, there's a world in need, and so would you help us to do our part. We pray, Lord, you prepare the hearts of people, even this week, to, to receive invitations from us as we get ready for Easter, Lord. And we'll celebrate your resurrection, Jesus. And we thank you in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. 
We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's Word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.